Hey, if anybody knows me, they know how much I love Southern Rock. My first concert was Molly Hatchet, for heaven's sake. Well, Ben Wells is a high-kicking, head-banging, Les Paul-slinging, songwriting member of my favorite new Southern Rock juggernaut, known as Blackstone Cherry. Ben's also one of the sweetest young cats I've ever met. He loves his wife, he loves his dogs, and I just had such a blast chatting with him during this quarantining that we're all doing. Here's Ben Wells. What's How's it happening? going? Good, good, man. How are you? Very good. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for doing this, man. Mm, it's my pleasure. I'm sorry it took so freaking long. No, man. Um, I was I was a victim of my own pet peeve, which is people not people leading you along. So that's <laughs> that's my fault. I like your coffee cup. Thank you. A friend of ours got that for me. Uh, Go to best. I love Go it. Go to best. Uh, do you want to take a picture? Oh, yeah. Do you remember my wife, Amy, at all? Yes, from years ago. How are you? She's, okay. she's going to take a picture of us if that's all right with you. Totally fine. Yes, sir. Awesome. Thanks, Adam. Awesome. No, dude, I was oh, going to... No, man. You look like a, a young man that should be on the road, but is not on the road and is at home. So that's good. <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> hey, just uh, real, real quick. Um, is there anything you do not want to talk about? Like, I don't, I, this is not digging up dirt time. I don't, not that I know any, but I'm not going right. to say your, I'm not going to say your wife's name or even what she does, if you want to, that's up to you. I don't want to open you guys up to a bunch of crap, you know, anywhere. So if there's anything you don't want to talk about, please let me know. Cause I don't, I don't want to do that. No, I appreciate that. Um, I'm, I'm open book, man. I'm, I'm okay. good to talk about whatever you want to talk about. Awesome. 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 Well, you're the best. So, uh, man, Ben Wells, welcome to Thinking and Drinking. Thank you for doing this. I really appreciate it. Thank you. The, the, the quarantine tapes here, man. You know, I'm just about over it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just about over it now. No, it's all good. I understand. I, I, I respect it. But, you know, being somebody that, that plays music for a living and, and – not only on the for a living part, but just loves being touring and loves being on the road. Yeah. You know, it's hard, it's hard to adjust, you know? Yeah. Um, and it, it's hard to get online and, and like, uh, see different stuff. Like we should be on tour right now. So like looking up the tour dates where I would be today. And yeah, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for the time at home with me and my wife and, and Henry and Clark, our dogs. Uh, and I love that, but you know, also I've, I, you know, it's it's in my blood to go out and play music. So, Dude. you know how it is. Well, you guys are from the Glasgow, Edmonton, Bowling Green area. I mean, like, are you from a musical family, or how did this? How did who got you interested in playing guitar? So, my family wasn't like even my dad will joke like and say we don't know where he got it from, like the the want to play music um, because nobody in my family directly was a like a, a musician, you know, oh, okay. um, 
my sister and I grew up, my sister and I grew up doing like plays and theaters and stuff. Mm-hmm. And we loved, we loved doing that, like uh, all growing up. So I guess the performing arts side of it has always been there. Yeah. I love doing that. Um, but as far as music goes, it was uh, Elvis uh, that really, you know, he's my biggest influence. So uh, when I was a little kid, uh, I was, I was, I mean, I still am, but hugely into Elvis. I grew up doing impersonations and my really? parents had a little jumps. My parents had a little jumpsuit made for me and a wig. And <laughs> that's awesome. That's what really did it. Yeah. That's what did it. I was like, okay, I want, I want to do this. And so they how got me my first guitar. Uh, now, what was your first guitar? It was a little Dixon acoustic guitar. Okay. And I've still got it. Um, they gave it to me for Christmas when I was in probably third or fourth grade. And um, I, start, I, I was so excited. I mean, it was like the oh, holy yes. grail. I, yeah. I, I had my first guitar. You know, I still remember sm- like what the what it smelled like, you know, the wood and the inside of the case. It was just yeah. amazing. And then uh, that was it, man. It was over with after that. That's still one of the best smells in the world. It really is. Yeah. Amy, it, some t- people don't, some people don't understand it. They're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, it, you know, it's a thing. Yeah. I got a, uh, an 82 ES335 about, Oh, three months ago, and I just sat and looked at it and smelled it and looked at it and smelled it. And Amy goes, "Dude, you are like a little boy on Christmas morning." And I went, "Exactly." <laughs> yeah, nope, nothing. Hey, you know, if you know, you know, and that, that, that's part of the yeah. You know, that's part of the that's part of the fun of it. That's part of the uh, uh, the mystique and and the excitement behind it. And I'm glad that you know, even you, I'm glad that you, you appreciate that because. That's the um, that's the side of it that you could be a player for years and years and years and years. But those little things like that, I think, are so important to never let go of. That, those are like first memory type stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, how did you – I mean, you guys started this band, this awesome Blackstone Cherry Band in 2001. How did you meet Chris and John and John? Were you all in the same high school or something, or what happened? So – Chris, uh, John, and John Fred all grew up and went to. Uh, they they live in Edmonton, okay. which is uh, uh, the next county over from me because I'm in Glasgow. Okay. And they all grew up and went to school together, and uh, they were kind of playing in a band, you know, playing blues covers and stuff like that. I was growing up uh, in Glasgow, 15 minutes away, and I was playing and trying to form bands, but I couldn't find anybody that wanted to take it seriously. You know what I mean? Right. Um, I couldn't find anybody that was willing to dedicate um, themselves to writing and playing. And looking back, I guess I can't blame some of the people that I would want to play, you know, try to get in bands. Cause you know, we were 13, 12, 13 years old, 14 years old. Um, and I was, they were all about, you know, sports and stuff like that. You know, and yeah. I was like, dude, let's find a garage and play some music. Let's do this. Um, I, I just couldn't find any commit. So I thought for a while, I was like, I don't know if I'll find anybody else my age in this area that, that wants to do this, you know? Yeah. And I, oh man, I prayed so hard. I was like, please, this is, this is, I know this is what I want to do. Uh, and then mutually we have a friend together, um, that grew up knowing them and him and I were best friends and went to school together. And he said, dude, I want you to come to 
Edmonton with me. Uh, it was on a weekend. He said, some friends of mine are getting together. They're having some people down at what's called the practice house. And that's where they were rehearsed. Yeah. And they said, uh, it's just, you know, three dudes. And all they do is have people over and they just jam really, you know, they don't, they're not actually a band. They're just jamming. And I go down there and they knew that I introduced myself and they asked if I played and I said, yeah, I play guitar. And they said, well, let's jam something together. And then we all four jammed. And then the next day, uh, we started the band. Dang. Dang, man. Yeah. It was so, kind of, because they were kind of looking for somebody else too. Cause they were kind of, um, they were, um, wanting to start a band and be serious, but they were in the same boat as I was in. They couldn't find another guitar player. You know, right. I couldn't find, I didn't have three other guys that played drums, guitar and bass. Yeah. Uh, exactly. so it, was, it was, it was literally like a Cinderella story, how it all came together. And literally that's been, that's been our lives ever since. And that was on June 4th, 2001. Dang. So, I mean, obviously you knew of the headhunters. Had you been to the, the fabled practice house before then? No, that was like it. And, you know, I, he, my, our friend uh, told me, he said, you know, the drummer for his group, uh, his dad and his uncle both play in the Kentucky Headhunters. Yeah. So that was exciting anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I was like, yeah, well, I look forward to it. <laughs> yeah. And their practice house uh, is essentially this old farm shack in the middle of the woods. Literally has no address, nothing. And it's covered, inside of it is covered in like records and, and old posters and memorabilia. Um, and it's it had tons of gear in there from like the eighties and nineties and even seventies because they used it when they grew up and were yeah. practicing. Um, so the practice house, uh, we we kind of took it over, and then um, it was just like that was our that was our spot, that was our landing pad. We would go there um, every single day that summer and practice, and then once school started back, we would go to school. Our parents would drive us down there, we would rehearse for hours. They'd come back and get us, and that was that was our way of life. Dude, that's awesome that your parents were that supportive and knew that you guys were that serious about it, that they would they would take that sort of interest in it. That's killer. Yeah, and that's the big thing, too, is our parents um, were super supportive and helped us out because they saw that, you know, we weren't getting into trouble. So they were happy yeah. to, you know, n- none that they knew of anyway at the time. <laughs> right. And they, they were like, you know what, they want, they want to play. Speaking for my parents, they're like, he wants to play music. They could, they could tell I was passionate about it. Um, so they said, okay. But my mom was a school teacher too. Oh, okay. So obviously school, school is important. So um, I was a sophomore in high school when the band started. Um, well, the summer going into my sophomore year. And then we practice, practice, practice. My senior year, it gets tied close to graduation, like close to this time of year right now. And, you know, the college is brought up. And it's like, well yeah. – I was like, Mom, Dad, I don't want to go to college. So, what are we going to do? And I was like, you know, I have to, I want to pursue the band. This is what I want to do. And uh, my mom and dad, we had a big, long talk. And um, at the time, John Fred's dad, Richard uh, from the Headhunters, was really helping us out too and, and kind of guiding us along. And yeah, we had, we had a big conversation. And my parents were like, look, we fully support him. We want him to do what he wants to do. But, you know, um, we also, you know, we want him to make smart decisions, you know, going yeah. forward too. Um, so they allowed me. They said, okay, we'll, we'll give it, uh, you know, let's we'll see what happens. You know, you don't have to, you don't have to roll in college, but uh, if you're not going to do college, then, you know, during the summertime, we want you to get a, at least a part-time job. 
So you can see, you still have to have some responsibility. You're not, you're not just going to graduate high school and sleep until three o'clock all day. You know, it ain't going to happen. So what I did was I I made that deal with him. I said, okay, because my dad also wanted me to see the other side. You know, he said, if you don't go to college and if you don't put everything you have into, into music and work for that, then you're going to end up just, uh, you know, working, essentially just working to get by, working for a living, you know? Uh, nothing wrong with that, but he wanted me to see the other side of that. Yeah. So I got a job at our state park and uh, as a uh, maintenance person. I was mowing yards that whole summer, but I would get up and I would go to work at eight o'clock in the morning. Uh, and it was about 25 miles from where I live. I'd drive out there, work until three o'clock, come home, shower, go down to the practice house, practice until about midnight, come home and, and work. And that was what I did that summer. And then my parents could really tell, though, that, you know, okay, this is for real. He's for real. Yeah. And the band, we, at that point, we were starting to get some interest from, uh, you know, from labels and management and stuff like that. So they could kind of see it was the fruit of our working over the years was starting to somewhat, you know, pay off a little bit. So when you say you were getting interest, I mean, I know you guys recorded your that first EP at the practice house, I think, correct? The first one was done uh, at home um, in okay. a studio. Oh, okay. Um, and it was called it was called Rock and Roll Tape, and that was the one we put out uh, when uh, we were still in high school. We were selling it out of our out of our cars and out of our our school lockers, and uh, we did that in two thousand and three. Okay. And then we had um, met a guy, uh, John Fred, and his dad um, went to a Kid Rock concert, and um, Kid Rock was on uh, Atlantic Records at the time. Yeah. And because they knew uh, Richard, I think had known Kid Rock for a little while. Anyway, they go down to the Kid Rock concert in Louisville, Kentucky. They meet this guy named Jim Crow, who worked for Atlantic. He was like a radio rep for Atlantic, right. and yeah. uh, and they gave him a copy of the CD because Richard Richard always carried some around wherever yeah. he went, you know. And uh, gave him a copy of the CD. And long story short, Jim uh, loved it contacted us came down to the practice house to meet us because he was only based in cincinnati so he was somewhat close yeah and then he said okay let's put together a showcase so we went to uh new york and uh and did a showcase for atlantic um and which was really weird because we didn't get signed to atlantic and it was really weird because all of our families and our friends and girlfriends and stuff at the time they made these big signs for us because they thought, you know, it was like something off that thing you do or something, you know, right. it was like, they thought we were going to New York. We're going to play for Atlantic. We're going to wow them. We're going to get signed and it's going to be great. And we, we, Richard held us. We leased a bus. I mean, we, we went to Manhattan in a, in a tour bus. We were, it was great. And, uh, it didn't work out with Atlantic. <laughs> so we come back, we come back home, we come back home and but they didn't know that, you know, so that, and they had these big posters made for us and, it was kind of a bittersweet thing, but right. <laughs> um, but it's all good because we kept on going. We kept on going, and uh, with Jim's help and Richard's help, we set up a another showcase uh, just a few months later. But at the showcase we did for Atlantic, a guy named Corey Sheridan, who worked for Indigo Entertainment, which is a management company, mm-hmm. um, he walked he walked in just randomly. He was he had left work. He walked into this place called the Mercy Lounge, which is where we did a showcase. Yep. Just on a on a on a hunch. Saw us play. He goes back and tells the owner of Indigoot, his name's Bill McGaffey, and says, Man, I just saw this band. We need to reach out to them. They're great. They were doing a showcase. And uh 
So in a, in a weird roundabout way, we ended up signing with Indigoop. Uh, so something good did come out of that showcase we went and did. Because the, when we signed with Indigoop, that led us to a, a separate showcase where we signed our actual first record deal with Roadrunner uh, yeah. just uh, a few months later. So it, it, was, it wasn't a trip in vain. If you could hear my dogs, I apologize, by the way. <laughs> they see something outside and they're going crazy. Hey, we got dogs, man. They're upstairs. I, yeah. can, hear them. I can hear them walking across the, the floor up there. I love it. I We're love big it. dog, big dog people here. Yeah, absolutely. Well, absolutely. Well, you guys must have had, I mean, how many gigs did you even have under your belt before you got signed to Roadrunner? I mean, we did, we played any and everywhere we could possibly play growing yeah. up. Um, we played, we played our favorite Mexican restaurant one time, which was awesome. <laughs> we played uh, uh, high school gyms. Yeah. There is a, uh, we, we would play a church. We would play anywhere that would let us set up and play. Um, it didn't matter. And we had to get creative around here because number one, we were all underage at the time, and right. there were no there were no bars here. Yeah. So we just kind of had to make up make up venues, create venues, you know. Um, and then so we had a few, and then we got some regional gigs too um, with Richard's help. We we had the opportunity to go open for like Ted Nugent and Grand Funk Railroad. Oh man! Um, and some different some different bands. So we were out there actively working, you know, yeah. trying to build a fan base and build a following. And then, so we had a few under our belt, you know, but no, we didn't, we weren't on like an official tour at that point or anything. It was just, we would get opportunities here and there and we would go play those, those shows. Um, and then we signed with Roadrunner in the summer of 2005. And then we went in the studio that, uh, that fall and the first album came out, uh, the following summer in 2006. Man. Well, I mean, you guys have, have, toured with everybody and, and i mean i'm not trying to read your bio to you but you guys have played with def leopard white snake nickelback alter bridge rival sons chicken foot skinner bad co shinedown hailstorm alice cooper i mean holy crap is there anybody you still yeah want to play with my dream tour would be us and an aerosmith huge aerosmith yeah I'm a huge aerosmith fan um, besides Elvis, that was the other thing that really kickstarted me, um, you know, into wanting to play music for a living. Man, well, you guys have, uh, and I'm probably going to get this wrong, but I think including live albums and the new Black to Blues one and two, I think you have nine albums. Is that right? Since 2006. Let's see here. We have. Uh, Six studio albums. Right. Yeah, yeah, six studio albums and then the two EPs. That's right. Okay. Man, that's a that's a ton of songs. That is kind of crazy. Yeah, you guys have it's been a lot. working. It's a, it, Especially as much as you guys do. The tour. thing is, too, we had... Right, and we wrote a lot um, while we were on tour. We do that a lot, you know. Um, yeah. We're on, like, a long tour or something. You know, some days on the road, if you're in a city where there's not... Or you can't get out and you go do something, you know. We sit around on the bus and um, we'll just get in the back lounge and come up with ideas. Yeah, and we'll start putting them into putting them into Logic or GarageBand or recording them on our phone or something. So you know, we're always constantly being creative in some way, um, and that way when we go in the studio, we can kind of at least have some ideas, you know, and yeah, and we can even re- revisit some old songs that we've had in the past and we kind of you know that we didn't not like necessarily, but uh, we just knew we wanted to work on them. So that's what we do too. And we did that a lot with the new album. We had some ideas that have been sitting around for a minute 
And now they got to see the light of day, which is great because it's songs that we always believed in. It just, it wasn't their time, so to speak. That makes sense. Do you ever uh, write a song, work it up, take it out, play it on the road, and then realize, holy crap, that bridge is not what this song needs and completely turn something around and rewrite the song? You know, we have played songs live that um, we we thought were going to be on the album. Like yeah. We thought, uh, we thought, okay, you know, we're going to put this on the album. We're going to record it. Let's go ahead and play it live and just, you know, blah, blah. And then that song never ended up being on the album. Right. So there's a couple of, there's a couple of videos out there of us playing songs that literally, unless you were at the show or saw it on YouTube, um, it's, it's not even been recorded really. Yeah. Um, but, and that's kind of cool too, because when we play live, sometimes we'll just do something like that. We'll play a song that nobody's ever heard just to give the fans something cool. And it's cool for us too, because it breaks up sometimes the monotony of maybe playing the same songs over and over yeah. again. Well, with you and Chris both being lead slash rhythm guitar players, how do you guys decide in the studio, like who's taking a solo or who's playing what part? Does it depend on who, who maybe had the, the idea of the song? Usually, you know, and Chris and I both do leads, but Chris is primarily the, I would say the lead player. Um, and so, but like at this last time in the studio, um, we would look at each other and he'd go, why don't you take the solo on this song? You yeah. Know? If it's maybe he's not feeling it or, you know, uh, or even if he is, he's like, you know, you, you do this one. And I'll be like, all right, sure. We'll give it a shot. And that, yeah. that kind of happened on one of the songs. He was, um, he was playing a solo and he just wasn't happy with it. He's like, you know, I don't know where to go with it. He's like, you know, you do it. And I got up there and did it. And I was hearing a totally different thing than he right. was. And th- sometimes it can work like that. Yeah. Um, other parts like, like certain acoustic picking parts or something, you know, that's kind of left up to me because, you know, um, I guess I just have, there's a, uh, Chris and I kind of know each other's knacks for certain things. Right. You know, I know that if, if I, if there needs to be a, a incredibly soulful scorching bluesy solo, that's going to be Chris hands down. You yeah. know, uh, if it's a, if it's a different vibe, then, you know, that's kind of where I come in. But with us and our band or, Absolutely no egos. We all want the same thing at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, you know, everybody's very much involved. So um, it's very much an open platform. It's like, hey, do you want to do this solo? Do you want to do this solo? It's like, no, oh, give it a shot. See what happens. That's the thing about a lot of uh, young writers I've noticed is instead of demanding your way, I mean, they tend to demand their way instead of let's write for what's best for the song which sounds right. like what you guys do. Let's play what's best for the song. Well, at the end of the day, that's what it's about. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. people aren't going to walk away from a song going, Oh man, Ben, he, that was a cool riff you came up with there, buddy. Right. People are going to walk away going, you know, man, what a cool, what a great song. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, that, that's what we want. And that's, that's the whole goal behind it all. And we're lucky that, you know, we have just, um, it's not even like a forced thing with us. Like it's not something we have to remind ourselves, you know, it's just, that's just the way we've always been. It's like everybody, everybody's fair game. Um, if, if I have a drum part for John Fred, I can say, man, why don't you try this on the drums instead? Right. And he's like, sure. You know, cause yeah. we all want the same, we all want the same thing. I can't imagine it doing it any other way. Yeah. Hmm. So when you guys tour, I mean, to, just to change a little bit here, you've got, I'm sure you've got a rig for America and you've got a rig for Europe. 
And I mean, are they, are they, do you use primarily the same gear? Are you sharing anything? I mean, do you take guitars with you to Europe when you guys? Well, when we first started going to Europe in 2007 uh, and for several years after that, like for, well, for about seven years worth, every time we would go to Europe, um, we would always fly stuff with us and we would rent, we we, we would rent, you know, drums and and amps and all that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. over there. But we were we were flying guitars with us, flying pedal boards, flying this and this and this. And we started to go over there. Once we started to see Europe kind of start to take off a little bit, we were going over there twice, sometimes three times a year. And it's like we are spending so much money on extra yeah. baggage. Number right. one. Number two, it's a pain hauling all this stuff through the freaking airport. <laughs> you know, it makes it it makes it not even fun, you know? Yeah. So it's like this this sucks. So we talked to our, our manager was like why don't you guys just invest? Uh, I think it was in 2014. Um, we just decided, look, let's duplicate our gear. Let's, let's get guitars and and we'll, we'll leave them in Europe. And John Fred's got his drum set. We'll leave it there. We've got amps. We leave them there. That way. And we fly with us. We fly to Europe. Uh, all we have to do is just take a suitcase of clothes. Right. So do you have it's to, a lot easier now. So do you have to get there a couple of days early and make sure strings and tubes and cables and everything are all up to snuff? Yeah. What we usually do um, is get there like two days before the first show. The first day um, you kind of want to acclimate because of the, yeah. you know, jet, jet lag. And then uh, we'll use half that day and the full next day to kind of the crew will get all the stuff together change strings, go through it, see what's missing, see what's not missing, you know. Um, and then, and we'll kind of do maybe a little rehearsal or something, but it's mainly just to make sure that everything is in working order. Right. Because, you know, if you, if you, if there's like a nine month gap between our two tours in Europe, last thing you want to do, because on that last show, the crews, they're putting everything up, they send it back to storage. So we can't right. just go over there and open up a guitar. It's been sitting for months and expect <laughs> to, to play a show with it. It ain't going to happen. So uh, yeah, that's what we that's what we normally do. We we give ourselves a little time to make sure everything's in working order. Is your live and your studio rig pretty similar? Yeah, I mean, I try to keep the same sound, you know, yeah. the same, you know, however it is on the album, I want it to be like that live, right? You know, um, whatever that sound may be. So, like this last album, uh, I went back to using my fifty-one fifty, which is what I used on the first two. Mm-hmm three albums i guess it's a great amp and it's a super badass amp and then um i use that again so i want that sound to be recreated live so yeah i I always like to to use the same thing and we messed around with the helixes for a while and those are still great because it's like amp profiling and the cool thing about those is is no matter where we go um what part of the world that amp will sound my sound will be the exact same yeah you know um we did some shows and uh, we did a show in Japan last year uh, for the military and uh, we flew to Japan and did one there in Osaka and then did one in Hawaii. And normally where we would go, okay, well let's figure out what kind of amp, you know, you turn in a backline list right. and say, well, this is what we use. And they come back and they say, we don't have this, but we have this. Mm-hmm. At that point you kind of have to make it work. Um, so the good thing about the Helix is, we fly that with us, you know, cause it's a little 
you can fly it on your backpack if you want to. Yeah. And uh, you plug that in, and it's the same sound whether you're in Japan, Hawaii, or Little Rock, Arkansas. It, that's the cool thing about it. Who's that? This is Clark right here. Is he Clark? is wanting it. He's wanting attention so bad. <laughs> I'm sleeping in Sam. There he is. He's a good boy. Oh, dude. He's probably confused because he hears me talking, but you know nobody else is here. So he's right. like, "What are you doing? <laughs> what's, what's going on?" Yeah, man, I've got. I mean, I don't have as many apps as you do, but I got a, a bunch. And but I also live in a house with my wife and our dogs, and I need to be cognizant of volume. And so sure. I've got a fractal uh, Axe yeah. Effects, and I mean same same thing. That and the Camper and the Helix. I mean they're all right. just insanely consistent and like you say you can put your whole rig on your back if you need to right yeah they're they're pretty awesome they're pretty awesome so what 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 kind of guitars i mean i've seen you play tellies and les pauls and and all sorts of uh, flying v's i mean what what's your favorite or does the song just dictate what kind of pickups you're going to use or or does it just whatever feels good in your hands during that time most of the time i would say it's the song like, you know, if it's like a ballad or something or um, or something more country rock-ish, um, you know, I'll, I'm not going to bring out the big guns, you know right. what I mean, and, yeah. and turn the amp, you know. Uh, but then again, I have, I have been known to do that because we don't want – there's a fine <laughs> line of, of keeping true to what our sound is, you know, consistently yeah. throughout. You never, you never want to hear one song that sounds like – super heavy song and then the next song be like it doesn't sound like the same guitar player anymore, right you know so i want i want it to be consistent but also don't want to trash a song just just because you know yeah um but with me i love so many different types of guitars be it les paul's telecasters i love gretch um there's lots yeah. of independent builders out there that are fantastic and you know people always said man you know are you going to do a signature model with a company and while that would be a huge honor and uh I would never want to be tied down to just one company, you know, yeah. I, I just love, I love so many different ones and it's refreshing to walk into the sound check one day and go, you know what? I'm going to start the set tonight with, with the Les Paul. And then the next day go, I'm going to start it with the, with the Telecaster. And right. I'm going to, I can just pick and choose or the Gretsch and, um, and not be worried about somebody getting a picture of it and sending it to some company going, Oh, yeah. he's playing this, he's playing this guitar. It's like, right. I don't want to deal with that. Yeah. You know, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't sign up to play guitar for that, you know? Yeah. No, I'm with you. I don't know if you can. There's Sweet. Some the beauties over there. I love it. Yeah, dude. I love it. I like them guitars. So, uh, you know, I, hey. <laughs> I tell you. They it, never let you down. It, it's, not a bad, it's not a bad habit to have, I don't believe. It's not at all. It could be worse. Yes. So how many guitars you keep at the house and does your wife allow you to keep them in every room or are you relegated to, to your, your Ben cave? Man, we've got them everywhere and she's super awesome. She loves them and she loves, we've got them on the walls. Uh, We've got them uh, uh, in the, we got, well, I got one in the bedroom on a stand. Uh, They're, they're covered in our basement. Um, (laughs) And it's, it's part of, it's part of our decorating, honestly, you know, it's part of the, the random theme to of our house, which is, you know, every room is in, in this house is weird and different. And we're just, I like funky, cool, eclectic stuff, but she's awesome. And she's really supportive of that. And she loves the, uh, uh, 
she loves the guitar. It's been everywhere. And she actually helped me um, go through every single guitar in the house and do serial numbers on them because that was something yeah. I had not done. And uh, I needed to do for a long time. And I was like, well, now we have lots of time. So yes, let's do it. And it was kind of cool, actually, going through every single one and writing them down. And knowing the peace of mind is there to know that I have records of all of them and I have the numbers. And it's pretty neat. Yeah, our uh, our insurance person thinks we're pretty bonkers here with how many guitars yeah. there is. But so you guys have a, a ton of, like you were saying earlier, a ton of dates that got postponed. But it looks like you're back on track starting June 13 in Champaign, Illinois. Is that, is that's that pro- still? That's, pro- that's probably going to get moved. <laughs> is it really? Yeah. I'm, yeah. I, honestly, I'm just, I'm hoping to play shows this year. Yeah. You know? I don't know what how it's going to go or what it's going to be like, and nobody does. That's the weird, I know scary it. thing about it. It's like agents are freaking out trying to get stuff yeah. rescheduled, and management and people are just trying to figure out what to do because um, nobody knows what to do. You know, every yeah. state is different, so you can't really like book a tour right now and go, "Oh, we'll do a whole Midwest tour," because there might be three out of ten states here that uh, have different regulations. You know, we. We've got tickets to so many shows and have no idea if any of them are going to happen. So. Yeah, I know. We do too. We have several that we were going to go see this summer. Um, um, we were going to go see Jimmy Buffett in Nashville. Yeah. Um, and Atlantis Morissette in Nashville. Matchbox 20. Um, Buffett in Cincinnati. Uh, a lot of stuff that we wanted to go see. Dwight Yoakam. Um, and you, I just, you, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's going to happen yeah. or not. So. You know, some of them have already been postponed, like into the yeah. fall. Uh, and that's cool. I'm cool knowing that, you know, it's a it's a glimmer of hope that maybe it can happen in the fall, you know, just so long, just so yeah. long as it happens. <laughs> I just want it to happen. Well, we were going to go see the, the Def Leppard Motley Crue Stadium tour. Oh, yeah. They no haven't clue. canceled that yet, have they? No, they haven't canceled it. And they're saying they're well, going ha- to they they have an announcement they- on June 31st. I'm going to tell you what that announcement's going to say. <laughs> it's, it, it's over. Yeah. Here's, here's where you can get your money back. Yeah, there's your announcement. I don't see. I mean, that, you know, come on. Yeah. I, I wanted. I wanted that tour to happen too, just for many reasons. I thought it was like, I thought it was cool and you know a, a neat nostalgia tour. But I don't know unless they've got some something. Unless they know something we don't. I don't see that happening. Dude, this was the year of feeling old. It was those guys, and we're going to go see the Doobie Brothers 50th anniversary tour. We're going to go see ZZ Top's 50th anniversary yeah. tour. And and now it's like, man, we just may be riding the couch for the rest of the year. Who knows? It's kind of crazy, too. Like I remember like in January or end of last year when all these different tour announcements for 2020 were popping up. Yeah. Um, I remember going, man, this is going to be a crazy, Dude. crazy busy year. With yeah. so many tours, like reunion tours, uh, anniversary tours, final farewell tours, this, this. There's like everybody's out there. And then, boom, within a day, it's like there's not a thing going on. Yeah. It's like, wow, it's, just, it's, it's insane. And it was interesting to see all, the, uh, all those West Coast metal bands come back from Europe where they yeah. all got sick, all the Slayer guys and everybody, or Exodus, you know, all those guys came back and they were all sick. And it's like, ah, yeah, here we go. This is, this is the real stuff here. But right. what's, your, what's your crew and everybody doing during this time? Um, the crew guys are, are, I think they're, you know, we've been in constant communication with them because we're all yeah. just a big family. So 
we're looking out for them and everybody's looking out for each other. I think they're keeping themselves busy. Luckily they have all, um, priorly established stuff to do while we were off the road anyway. So I think, you know, they're kind of taking advantage of that now, you know, and just making that their full-time gig as long as they are are able to work. Yeah. The company and then, uh, our monitor engineer, he was, uh, he actually mixed our album. So that's what he's been doing. Oh, cool. Uh, He engineered and we, we chose him to mix it because he's fantastic. Um, He's just so smart and he, he just is a great mixer. So he's been doing that. Um, yeah, everybody's just, everybody's finding stuff to keep busy, you yeah. know, trying That's to keep your head awesome. above water. Well, you guys uh, started, you and your lovely bride started the Henry and Clark Foundation. Yeah. And uh, you want to talk a little bit about that? Um, we love animals. We love kids. We want to do something that can benefit both if we can, you know? Yeah. So we, we started the Henry and Clark foundation, obviously named after our two beagles. I'm sure you've heard several times, but, um, and it's been really cool. We, you know, we do different stuff, be it helping like shelter animals or animals, uh, in need or, or pets. And, and then we help kids that may be less fortunate or, uh, foster care situations. We just try to come up with stuff that um, can give back in some small way. So, so far we did a thing um, right after the, the terrible tornadoes that came through Tennessee yeah. a couple months ago. Um, we donated, uh, we raised a bunch of money here through locally through our, our hometown and people all over. Once we put it up online, people were donating and sending stuff in. And um, we were able to give a lot of supplies and food and money to the, uh, 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 the shelter in Nashville, uh, which also not only does like Davidson County, but they're, they were helping so many surrounding counties, like in Cookville, um, and different areas that were affected because a lot of pets, you know, um, were affected by those tornadoes. Yeah. They were either the, the shelters were taken down completely or they were lost from their owners and shelters were getting flooded with, with strays. So that was really cool. We drove down there and got to give them that stuff. And we, you know, it was really awesome to see so many people chip in and, and want to help on that. And then yeah. just this past Easter, we did a Easter basket fundraiser uh, for local kids uh, that were in uh, in need or, or less fortunate around our area that might not normally get an Easter basket. So mm. we didn't know what to expect for that. And all the money we raised towards that was going to go to uh, a nonprofit in Barron County called Bridge, Kentucky. And Bridge, Kentucky helps local families that are in need in our area. And we didn't know what to expect. We had 20 baskets, 20 empty Easter baskets. So we thought, okay, if we can fill these 20 baskets and give and give them out to kids, that, yeah. that's great. We ended up doing like over 100 baskets because so many Gosh. people, so many people wanted to help out. And we had, we delivered them. They were able to get like over $4,000 to Bridge, Kentucky because so many people we're just continuing to match the donation amount and everybody just wanted to help. So it was super heartwarming to see that. And, you know, people mm-hmm. want to do good stuff. Sometimes you just kind of have to present them the idea of, the, yeah. you know, the me- the means to do it. So that's essentially what our nonprofit is. It's just, we try to come up with stuff to help animals, kids, families. Um, so right now we're trying to figure out what our next big thing is also while trying to navigate to what can we do during these times and be yeah. safe and healthy about it, you know? So we'll see. We have some definite ideas up our sleeves, but it's been fun. 
and it's super rewarding just to see that so many people uh, have, there's so many good hearts out there. Yeah. No, you're right. I think people want to help. They just maybe don't know how or where to, right. where to put their help. So sure. you also have a uh, brand new all over the place with Ben Wells, your new podcast. Yeah. It's something fun, you know. I, you know, I was emailing you about this, about different stuff early on, and I've always oh, wanted to do a podcast. Um, I, I, I love it. I love listening to them, and I, I love talking to people. And again, this while I'm going to be home, I'm not making any excuses for myself. So I'm going okay. If I'm going to be home, I have to stay busy. I have to stay creative in yeah. some way. So I'm trying to do stuff that I've always wanted to do that I've always used the I don't have enough time excuse for. Uh, and so, yeah, I've started, I've, I've started the podcast and it's been, I love it. Um, you know, I love getting on there and talking to people and lining up guests. And um, I just did my, I released my first one on Monday. And yeah, uh, sec, second episode will come uh, next Monday. So it's been a lot of fun. I absolutely just love doing it. And um, I'm excited to see where it goes, you know, because I'm sure like yourself, it's just, it's a fun thing to do to get on there and talk to people in a different way and, and get cool information and just chat. Well, and you've got a million friends that are interesting friends that people are interested in. I mean, dude, when I saw your first one was that uh, the uh, uh, cruise ship guy. And I, well, I know nothing about that. I've never been on a cruise. Dude, that was fascinating, man. It was awesome. Thank you very much. That's why I thought it would be cool to kind of to, to start with him. He's a great guy, too. And I was like, you know, I'm the same way. I was like, we've done cruises, but there's still so much more that goes into the, the cruise ship world and how they how they navigate and the employee quarters, the stuff like that. I didn't have no idea about yeah, I thought, no you clue. Know what? Yeah. People could find this interesting, you know, uh, and, and they have, so it's been fun. That's very cool. Well, especially now when we still have uh, staff and things uh, still locked down on cruise ships off the coast of California and stuff. I mean, right. That's, you know, uh, that's wild. Man. I know it's bizarre. It's bizarre. It is. It's crazy, crazy. But yeah, congratulations on that, man. That's really cool. And the artwork and everything is great, and the production's great. I assume that's you playing everything on the yeah. theme song. Yeah, I I did the theme song. I love that. I love like surf rock. I love surf yeah. guitar. Um, so that's I did that. Um, and then my friend uh, Sketch Bailey, who lives up in Canada, an amazing graphic artist. He did the artwork for me. Oh, cool. And then. Um, and he's done a lot of stuff for, uh, for Blackstone Cherry too. He has a page on Instagram called BSC characters where he'll kind of manipulate our logo to, um, different stuff. Like he's done star Wars ones. He's done different horror movie ones. And uh, he's he's just, he's fantastic. I knew he would be the guy when I asked him if if he didn't mind to do it. And then, uh, my best friend, uh, Joe, who uh, lives overseas, it does video stuff for Fender and he, uh, did the video intro so it's a it takes a village you know yeah man <laughs> I, I i had to like I, so I wanted it to come out I was, like, I was like dude can you do this intro on the video for me and can you do this and i was like i can do the music leave it right. i can do that but the other stuff i need some help with because that's where i'm like lost in space i'm I'm assuming that was a gretch that you were playing that was a gretch yep. yes it was yep that's killer man thanks that's man fine. thank you well, dude, do you want to do my lightning round real quick? Absolutely. All right. This is just uh, top of your head. Answer these questions. Okay. What's your favorite book? Uh, Good Night Moon. Really? Yes. Cool. You a bath or a shower guy? Shower. 
Nice. What's the last gift you gave someone? Uh, I wake up and see my, I give myself my wife every morning. (laughs) (laughs) No, honestly, we, uh, we, we, uh, we baked some, uh, well, I can't say we. Jessica baked some uh, no-bake cookies the other day. She, she does no-bake cookies. They're delicious. So we went around and gave some to our family. So I guess nice. that, was, that was the gift. Yeah, we, we <laughs> dropped them off on their doorstep. I like your first answer better. but yeah, <laughs> I know, right? It's, it's, it's probably better. <laughs> What's the first concert you saw? How old were you? And did you get a T-shirt? My first real concert that, well, okay. I saw Audio Adrenaline, which is a Christian rock band, oh, yeah. year, years ago. But I can't, I know my first like big main concert was Aerosmith at Starwood Amphitheater okay. in Nashville uh, in 1997. Was GNR opening I, for him? No, it was a band called Monster Magnet. Oh, okay. Yeah. And yes, I did get a t shirt. Absolutely. Nice. Nice. <laughs> I'm still thinking about the gift. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) What's your favorite song you've ever written? Oh, that's hard. Probably a song called Peace is Free. Um, I just, I love that song. I'm super proud of that one. Cool. What's uh, the song you wish you would have written? I mean, that could be Amazing Grace or, or what? I was going to say probably How Great Thou Art is one of my favorite songs of our time. I wish Mm. I had written that song, but then, then again, I wish I had written "Happy Birthday" because I'd probably be a really rich man. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, getting get the royalties off that, especially like TV money and stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What's your favorite Elvis song? Oh, oh gosh, that is so hard. I have so many people have asked me that before too. Uh, probably a song called "Love Me." That's uh, it sounds like a ballad, but it's not really. It's like a well, it's kind of a balladish, but it's total fifties crooning Elvis. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that. Love suspicious minds. Um, that's that's so tough because I I literally yeah. love I love them all. But probably one of the, you know like love me is probably one of the early ones that I remember growing up going you know treat me like a fool treat I just love that's yeah. so classic. Um, I had to go with that one. My favorite Elvis song is a song called Don't. I love that song. Don't. Dude, that's- Don't. <laughs> it's so good dude i would just i just am envisioning you in your jumpsuit and your wig as a six-year-old or whatever doing that man i, I might get bored and pull that back out you never Come know on. i have to see how quarantine goes <laughs> if you weren't uh if you weren't rocking around the world what would you be doing um, I would say I would still probably be involved somewhat in the music business somehow. Yeah. Um, either that, my other passion and living in Kentucky, I don't want really to have the means to do it, but I would love to be involved in like marine biology or something. Hmm. I, I love, I love the ocean. I love like ocean life and knowing yeah. about it. Kentucky would kind of prevent me from that to a degree, but, uh, yeah. that was, I, I would think I would, I would really enjoy doing that. I think. Yeah. You're not really a coastal state, so to speak. I know. Unfortunately not. So uh, what are you listening to these days on this break? Uh, literally a little bit of everything. Every day in the car, I have it on Margaritaville. Okay. Uh, on, on Sirius, because that just makes me feel good. And they're playing good trop rock, and I love it. Yep. We listen to a lot of uh, Bob Marley. 
uh, Jessica and I have been super into Paul Simon lately. Listen to the Graceland album. Oh, okay. Fantastic. Um, but then I'll listen to like some really heavy stuff. I was listening to seven dust this morning when I was running and so yeah. it just depends. It's literally, it's literally just like the podcast. It's literally all over the place. It can yeah. go from, from shuffle onto Metallica to, to, uh, the Statler brothers. It's like, you know, it's weird. Oh, dude. Yeah. I, I love, yeah, man, we've been uh classic country and out here, but I also got to have a little Pantera every there day. There you go. Every you got to have it, you know? So, uh, What's next for you, man? At this point, um, our album is, uh, I think it's actually just got done being mixed and now it's going to be sent off to master and we're trying to figure out, you know, uh, yeah. it's supposed to come out later this year. The, ne- the release date hasn't been announced just yet. Uh, we know when it is, but they haven't done a press release. So I think it's now figuring out, now that it's going to be mastered, figuring out what else has to come after that. You know, how do we do, how do we do certain things that we need to do to set up the album? Yeah. Um, so that, that'll, that'll come trying to figure that out. And then other than that, just, you know, trying to do more podcasting and, uh, I want to write a book too. Like I want to write a children's book. Uh, that's been a passion of mine forever. Love that. Um, I've just got to, uh, I got to figure that out. And I'm like, you know, again, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not giving myself any excuses not to do stuff that I wanted to do in the past. Yeah. You changing strings on guitars? No, I'm gonna wait till the next uh, the next global crisis to do that. I got that from your podcast. <laughs> I've been I've been saying, and I, I still Clark, I still haven't uh, done it. I have I go down there and look at them. I go, today's the day. Yep. I'm gonna do it today. And then I come upstairs and I get online. And I'm like, yeah, I'll get it. I'll get it. Yeah, I'll figure maybe it out. Time. Maybe next. Yeah, time. maybe maybe next time. <laughs> well, man, what? Uh, how do people find you? What are your socials? Going um, on here. I'm on Facebook, uh, just under under Ben Wells. And okay. then Insta- Hang on a second. Come here. <laughs> he will do this. I have to hold him. Oh, Look at this, buddy. He, it's insane. He just wants to be held. Yeah. Uh, Instagram is uh, Ben TCB, and uh, that's where I'm at. And then as far as my podcast, it's um, of course it's called All Over the Place, and it's uh, it's on you know the normal streaming services wherever people would listen to podcasts and then uh, yep. it's it's on youtube as well so that's where it's at it, it's brand new i'm just trying to whoop, i'm trying to grow it and see what happens dude that's great man thank you no man seriously thank you so much for doing this uh, uh been been a long time coming I look forward to hanging with you someday man absolutely it's my pleasure and again i appreciate you asking me i know we've We've been emailing back and forth for probably a year now. <laughs> uh, so I'm finally, uh, I'm glad, um, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm glad that we finally made it work. And I'm sorry it took so long, but uh, I, I, I love your show too. I was listening to it earlier. I love the one you just did with your wife. I think that's cool. Man. Oh, thanks, dude. You're doing different stuff and I, I love that. Well, thanks. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Absolutely. We have a lot of, lot of friends in common, so it's, it's kind of kind of fun. Right? Sure. Cool, man. Thank you, Brother Ben. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you, buddy. Have a great day. Have a good weekend. You too. Bye-bye. All right. See you, man.